All right, good morning, Rimrock Church. How's everyone doing this morning? You guys, it's getting nicer and nicer out there. You know, I don't know, 50 degrees? It's not too cold to have church outside, right? We could start early this year. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm just glad to be here with you guys this morning and praise our King and lift him up for who he is and what he's done. So let's do that.
Do you guys just take a moment, look around at God's faithfulness of just bringing us together as the body of Christ and say hi to one another for a minute. we just thank you for your faithfulness, God, for your good and gracious gift to us, God. And may we just, in response, praise you with our lives, everything that we have, God, for it belongs to you.
fact that you came down and took our punishment and took our sin and our shame upon you, God. You have paid the highest price. God, and so our response to you is just to surrender all. God, what do we have that we did not receive? God, so may that be our response this morning. May that be our response day by day, God, that we wake up each morning looking to serve you, God, looking to surrender to you. No one else is worthy. God, we pray for Ben as he comes now. Speak through him, God. And may we receive your words, the words of life. Pray this in your name. So good. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. So we have uh, women at a women, women at a women's retreat this weekend. Uh, we have uh, about uh, forty plus kids plus adults in Ekalaka, Montana. I was up there with them uh, this weekend, and just so thankful. Pastor Boomer is sharing the gospel with our kids, and it's uh, it's so so beautiful to see what God is is doing in their lives this weekend. And uh, we have some. Special guests with us this morning, Mike and Stacy uh, Weeb. We are here, and thank you guys for joining us all the way from Lebanon. <laughs> so uh, they're going to be sharing. Yeah, they're going to be sharing at the end of the service. So at the end of the sermon, we'll have them them come up and share. Very excited about that. In your bulletin, uh, you'll notice we have a, a worship pastor candidate coming on May 14th, and yes, he is my brother. <laughs> He's my younger brother. So. Um, I'm very excited personally, but uh, we're a congregational church, and it's really important this candidating weekend that he comes, and uh, you get to ask questions, interact with him, and he'll be leading worship on May 14th, and then we'll vote right after the second service as a congregation if God is calling him. If you have any questions, we'll have a schedule where, where things for that weekend, but Larry Nicholson led our, our uh, search process, so I'm sure he'd be willing to answer any questions as well, so appreciate your prayers for that process. Would you join me in praying as we open God's word? Lord, we just pause. Um, in one sense, Lord, coming together is a pause in our week as we come with uh, many responsibilities and worries and fears and uh, things that we are facing throughout the week. Yet, Lord, we choose to come here together to realize that life and does not come from ourselves, it, it comes from you. And so we worship you, we praise you, we thank you, we recognize that we need you, your grace, your mercy today. Lord, I just pray that as we hear your word, that we'd be reminded that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from you, God. So help us, God, to receive what you want for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in between uh, series. We finished Revelation, and we're going into Genesis. On May 14th, we're going to jump into the first 12 chapters of Genesis. And uh, in between, we're going to do this three-week pause of really looking at our vision as a church. And, and what does it mean to be God's church in, in the world until he returns? Because we ended with Revelation 22, this glorious uh, recreation, new creation of all things, new heaven, new earth, and we see this beautiful picture of God dwelling with his people. 
Um, but in that in-between time, God has chosen the church to be his lampstands, to be his witnesses, to be his messengers of who he is and what he's doing in the world. He's, he's invited us to be participants in his story of his glory and what he is doing, not only among us here at Rimrock, but all throughout Rapid City, through the Black Hills, through in the United States, and throughout the nations. God is at work through his people, the church. And so we're pausing to look at our vision at Rimrock Church, a community being transformed by Jesus Christ, but, but I hope you see it's, it's bigger than just Rimrock Church. Uh, I, I believe in the local church and com being committed in that God has a purpose for our commitment here at Rimrock, but, but it's bigger than that. God has a people in every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, as, as we saw in Revelation. And we're a small part of that greater story of God's people being filled with His Holy Spirit and being prepared for His coming and His kingdom, which is already, it's already come, as Jesus said, but it's not yet fully realized, and one day it will be. But until that day, um, God has called us uh, to be, as we say, a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. And last week, we looked at the great commandment, right, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and the great commission to go into all the nations and make disciples, this great purpose. And then we looked at Ephesians 4 about the church being uh, the means for that purpose to make disciples. And so if we look at our mission statement, it's, uh, it starts with experience God. And so the question is, how do we live out our vision to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, it's to experience God. It starts with God. <laughs> and we looked last week, it doesn't start with us. In fact, we're hopeless in of ourselves. We can't do anything <laughs> in of ourselves. In fact, the Bible says that it's not that we love God so much, it's that He loved us first. And when He loved us, and He stepped into our world by Jesus coming, and we talked about Christmas, that great incarnation story of God becoming flesh and making His dwelling among us. And because He loved us and revealed Himself to us, then we can receive the call to love Him with all our heart, soul, and strength, with everything we have. As we just sang, we surrender to Him. And so we are the people who experience God, who know God because of Jesus Christ and because of His grace. This morning, we're going to be looking at the second part of our mission statement, which is embrace grace. Embrace grace. Would you turn to the book of Ephesians with me? And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, we've been at, up in Ekalaka. Boomer's been in Ephesians all week with the kids talking about the gospel. And I love this picture, and I, I know I just have on the screen starting in verse 4, but I want to start in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. And so we believe what the Bible teaches that apart from God, we are utterly sinful. Every single one of us. We are utterly broken as people. We are incapable of, uh, of fixing our condition because what is our condition? Dead. <laughs> Dead people can't fix themselves, right? You are dead in your transgression and sin, in which you used to live. Isn't that good news? Which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's not work, and those who are disobedient. That's basically the book of Revelation, right? Babylon, Satan, the beast. People are following those things, but not, not the people of God. All of us also lived among them at one time, 
gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And that's our, that's our story. We, that shows up in a lot of different ways. Each of you has a story. I have a story of being dead in my sin. All of us do. Every single person does. But look at verse 4, and this is where we're really going to start the message today. But, <laughs> don't you love that? But, because of his great love for us, God, God saw our condition. He saw my condition, and he stepped into my life, your life, our world. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are resurrection people. We believe in the resurrection. Jesus came to make us alive even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I love what Martin Luther declared. It's by grace alone. By grace alone. And God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not from yourselves. That's, if you go back last Sunday, that's, that's what we learned. This, this great commandment and this great commission and this great calling to order our lives around this first love, we could not do that on our own. I could not do that on my own. There's no one good enough. There's no super Christians. There's not like some people who figured out this secret way to get it. We couldn't. It's by grace alone. It is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. We needed God to step in and do something for us that we could not do on our own. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that good news? But it's not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it starts with God, but he's got a purpose for us. He's called us to something, something for his glory. So uh, this idea of grace, I think, um, you know, we can read the Bible, we can learn a lot about the Bible, but it's not meant to just be learned in the sense of information, or knowledge in the sense of having an the right answers. Um, the Bible is referred to as a sword, a double-edged sword that pierces bone and marrow. <laughs> and so God's desire is to, uh, to be known and to know us and to do something uh, very personally in all of us that is miraculous. And so what we're, when we talk about God's love and His grace, it's not enough just to understand the concepts. We have to experience it. We have to know His grace. So I, I came to know Jesus as a young, young boy. Um, was really in realizing my sinfulness after I threw a rock at my brother and lied about it. And I saw the, the depths of evil in my own heart that I could do against my own brother whom I loved. And it... It caused me to cry out to Jesus as a, as a young boy. And, and I experienced his grace at that moment. I experienced forgiveness and a peace that I couldn't explain. But I, I knew God was doing something, that he was revealing 
his grace to me, his love for me in Jesus Christ. And I cried out to him and received him. But as many of you know, if you've walked with Jesus, that grace is not just when we first believed. It's something we need every day, that I need every day. A few years ago here at Rimrock, uh, maybe two or three years ago, um, we were, I was going through a, a period of, uh, of a lot of uh, stress because uh, there were some ministry situations that were overwhelming to me, and I was struggling through some things, but um, probably the biggest thing that was going on in my heart was uh, last week I talked about the ordering of our loves, and I think some of my love got out of order. <laughs> and so I was anxious and stressed about ministry situations and some things that were happening in the church. And instead of bringing that to God, I was carrying those burdens. And one morning I woke up and I couldn't move. <laughs> I was like paralyzed. And no, if you know me, usually I wake up early in the morning, I'm up and I'm running and I'm going. But this morning I couldn't get out of bed was so unusual for me and I just laid there and I just began to cry and I realized that um, I was so burdened and I was so struggling uh, with myself and I was feeling like a total failure I was like God I just feel like I'm I've, I'm total failure <laughs> and maybe some of you have had those thoughts you've had those feelings you've been in those places and uh, and so as I lay there I was trying to figure out okay what am I what I'm gonna do <laughs> and so um, I had to call a bunch of people that day. I had a bunch of stuff scheduled, and I just said, I can't, can't make it today. I'm not doing well. And, uh, and so I had to stay uh, home, which was really hard for me. I don't, I don't like doing that. <laughs> and uh, I remember being outside, and, and uh, I was laying down because I could hardly even stand up. And, uh, and I experienced something. It was just the gentle voice of God just saying, I love you, Ben. I'm for you. And I'm sufficient, and my grace is sufficient for you. And those were the most beautiful words I could hear at that moment. That even though physically I couldn't do it, and I couldn't do everything that was on my agenda that day, God was saying, I still love you. I'm still for you. I'm sufficient for you. In your weakness, I'm strong. And, uh, and I just remember my heart just being so filled with peace in that moment. And I knew it was going to be okay. I was going to get through the day. I was going to get through the week. <laughs> Things, it, I didn't know how everything was going to work out, but, but God knew, and I was okay. And it was again, and I had experienced it many times, and I could tell you many stories, but again, I experienced God's grace, His love. That wasn't based on my performance. It wasn't based on how, how much I could produce. It was based on who he was, his faithfulness, his goodness, what he could provide. And uh, I remember by the end of that day, I was filled with so much energy. <laughs> I was ready to go. God did something. I started the day paralyzed. I ended the day with joy and a sense of calling and purpose and knowing that that God was sufficient, that His grace was enough. And so again, I had to embrace God's grace. And again, we need to embrace God's grace. This is essential to our mission to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ. And, and I stand before you, and you say, well, Ben, as a pastor, you know, um, you know it, it's good to hear that you struggle with things like that, but, 
But the reality is, later that week, I had to confess to some people, and I had to share with some people that I had been doing things out of order in my own heart, in my own life, and how I was thinking about ministry, and I had to confess those things, and I had to receive grace from others. And I experienced God's grace all over again through people who prayed for me, encouraged me, and supported me in that moment. And so, as we think about experiencing God and embracing His grace, it, it starts with God, but then it spills out into our relationships with others. And so, it, the great command is to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, but the second is to love our neighbor as ourself. And so we think about expressing His power in us and through us towards others. We become instruments, vessels of God's grace. As we show compassion, as we show love, as we show understanding to one another. So what is, what is God calling to us to? I want to look at Acts 2.42 briefly here with you. Um, when we look at the New Testament church, we see a people who have received the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And as they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they begin to do certain things. And I want to just look at this briefly with you because I think it encourages us to how we experience God's grace together. In verse 42 of chapter 2, it talks about how the early church, these are the people who have received the gospel, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and what they begin to do, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we look at that, and we see a picture I think of what God intended for the church. Now, I don't think this is describing uh, communism or, or something like that. No one was forced. No one was. This was something that God was doing by the Holy Spirit that caused the orientation of people's lives to shift from being self-centered to being God-centered first. But then look what they did with each other. They cared for each other. There was generosity there was a great devotion towards the things of God and the things of helping others, needs of others. And so what we begin to see is the very DNA, the nature of the church is relational. It's relational. And that's why the church isn't the building. It's not even this worship service. <laughs> it's you and I, us as people together, sharing a faith and a love for God because he first loved us. We are the people of the gospel who've received the good news of Jesus and we've repented and we've believed. We've received that gift. But together we're devoted to certain things together. And that is what we begin to see in the church. It's this relational, um, and I'm going to show a, a picture that we use here. And so if you go through one of our membership classes, you'll see it's like a, a, a few circles. But We'll show this to you, and this is just to help us. There's nothing special about this image, but it's a, it's a picture of how we need to think about ordering our lives and ordering our loves, and it's very relational. And if you notice, at the very center is God himself. 
the great uh, struggle for us as humans is we want to put other things in that center. <laughs> uh, and that's called idolatry. Even good things, even religion, even church, if we put that in the center, we will be in big trouble. We'll miss it. <laughs> we'll totally miss it. There's no life in just church. The life is in God himself, the creator, the maker, the sustainer, the one who owns and has everything, the one who can give everything that we desire, everything we most need is found in him. And so it's only in God alone, in this beautiful relational fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember we read in, uh, in Matthew 28, we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's where our identity is. That's where our life is. That's where everything is. And so our number one responsibility as a church is to point to that, to point to God, that He is the one who gives life. Um, that's, that's got to be centered. But outside of that, God has given us relationships. And at the, uh, if we look at the life of Jesus, He invested in two or three disciples, but for many of us in that other circle is a spouse or kids or family or a few close friends, a few people that God has called us to be in the most intimate relationship with. And that's important. That's very important to God that, that we love those people, that we serve those people, that we're in relationship with those people. And so that's very important. That's part of our call to discipleship. That's call, it's part of our call to the ordering of our loves. But then there's another circle of uh, a smaller community of people that we're closer to. For Jesus, this was the 12, right? And we, we can only limit our, how many people we can be really close to, right, relationally. But, but those are important people that God has put in our life for a purpose. And then outside of that, there's the extended family. And that's what I kind of consider who we are here gathered this morning, this extended family of believers, and includes other people as well that are worshiping God and serving God together and ordering our lives to God together. But outside of that is the circle where we spend the majority of our time. But you see, there's an order to this. And if we get this out of order, we will miss um, what God really wants to do, the really powerful thing that he wants to do of transformation. But in that furthest circle is where you go to work. It's your work relationships. It's where you go to serve in their schools or your students or you go on mission trips, or it's where we spend a lot of our days, a lot of our lives out in that outer circle. And that is where God wants us to be a blessing. He's called us to, to be a blessing. To, and this picture of a lampstand is we're to be a light in those areas. And those relationships matter. And everything you do in those arenas matter. And all those people you interact with matter. But it's got to start with God. And then God begins to transform our relationships as we go through those things. So what does it look like to embrace grace in all those relationships? Because all, you, you, all of you have relationships in all those circles. You have responsibilities in all those circles. And so the question for us as the church is how can we be intentional in those relationships knowing the greatest commandment to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and strength, to love our neighbor, and to know the great commission that we're to go and make disciples, right? Baptizing and teaching and by the way, that's not just for me as the pastor. <laughs> Jesus didn't give that great commission just to the 12 disciples. He gave it to the 120, the, the church, the early church. He gave it to all of us. And the Reformation, Luther called this the priesthood of all believers. Did you know you're a priest, a priestess in God's kingdom? He's called you to be his representative, to be his witness 
in this world, to be his ambassador in all of your relationships. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and read this. In Ephesians chapter 4, I know we looked at this last week, but we're going to zone in uh, to a few verses, first seven verses, because I think God is revealing to us the how. As a prisoner for the Lord, so what's Paul, what's Paul saying? He's saying, do we belong to ourselves? No, we, we belong to God. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our everything. He's in that center circle. He's in the center of our lives. He's our first love, right? What did, Paul, what did John tell Rev, the church in Ephesus? Re, remember your first love. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Did you know you've received a calling <laughs> to be a son, to be a daughter, to be a re- representative of God in all your relationships, in all of your life? Be completely humble. Here's the how. Be completely humble and gentle. By the way, these aren't natural things we can just do. <laughs> this is Holy Spirit stuff that God is doing in us. He's transforming us. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love all right what do you see there <laughs> humility gentleness patience are these easy things <laughs> but this is the how of embracing grace in our relationships this is this is how we become a community be transformed by jesus christ this is how we relate to one another whether it's in your family with your spouse with your kids with your small community, here at church, in your workplace. How? We're humble, we're gentle, we're patient. By the way, these are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, bearing with one another. Now, sometimes we think about that, and we think, oh, I have to put up with people, (laughs) right? I have to endure people. I don't think that's what that means. You know, you think about a load-bearing wall, right, in your house, Right here, we have load-bearing walls. A load-bearing wall, it holds it up. It holds up the structure. That's what God's calling us to be, people that hold other people up, to be the kind of people that see people for who they are, and we're there to encourage them. We're there to support them. We're there for them because we understand that life's not about us. We've, We've received God's grace and love, and we're confident enough to say, We're here not for ourselves. We're here for others. And so it says bearing with one another. And so we become become the kind of people that that people think about us and they say, that's a person I can count on. That's a person who's for me. That's a person who's going to stand with me when it gets hard. That's a person who's going to encourage me. That's a person who I want to be around. That's the kind of people we become. We we bear with one another in love, right? Right? Don't, don't you want to be around those kind of people? <laughs> I want to be around those kind of people. And I want to be that kind of person. And I think that's the how of embracing grace as the church. We're called to be those kind of people. And when we're that, those kind of people, then we can make every effort. This, this isn't just sitting by. It's making every effort. We, we're intentional about it. We discipline ourselves about it. We make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, and you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And this is, this is what makes us the church. It's God calling us together 
towards these things, devoted, as Acts 2 said, devoted to these things, one God and Father of all who is over all and all. But to each one of us, grace has been given. You've been given grace. I've been given grace. What do we do with that? What do we do with that grace? I think that's the invitation for us as a church is to, to not only see our vision as a, something on a piece of paper or something we just talk about, but, but something that we are called to because we've received that kind of grace and we've seen the Holy Spirit begin to transform us into a new kind of people. I want to skip down to verse 15 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. I think this is key. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, this is the how. This is how we become the church. Notice it's highly relational. We speak to each other in love, and we grow together in Christ, right? We grow together in Christ. And when we grow in Christ together, God is building something. He's making something glorious. So uh, a few, uh, well, before um, we moved here to Rapid City, we lived in Minnesota. And the way we ended up in Minnesota is, uh, is God had um, called my wife and I to be interns in a church. And that church had uh, decided to send us to a town that was about 30 minutes away. And the way we came to that conclusion to go to that town was one night I was in prayer. And, uh, and God gave me a vision of a people group in that town. And I saw a picture of God's love for these people. <laughs> I, I didn't have love for these people. But that night on my knees, I saw God had a love for these people that was so overwhelming. It was like, it was like seeing the ocean for the first time. It was a, a beauty and a glory that I, I couldn't describe. But I, I, all I knew is I had to go. I didn't have an option. <laughs> I had to go. And I had to go tell these people how much God loved them. And I had never started a church before. Uh, I had never uh, been a pastor before. I had been a pastoral intern. So I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Um, but as I began to pray, I knew it started with inviting a few people to join me. And so I, call, I uh, was in Mexico, and I met a young man uh, named Andrew. He was living in Mexico, but he was from that town. I said, would you join me in planting a church in this town? And he said, yes. And then I called my brother Nate, uh, who, who's uh, candidating for the worship pastor position. He was living in Arizona. I said, God showed me this. I need to go to this town. Will you move to Minnesota? <laughs> and uh, so he left Arizona to go to Minnesota. And uh, over the next five years, um, we learned a lot about the church and about God's grace and God's love for people. Um, and we didn't have any people to start with, so we just went out into the streets and the neighborhoods and began to share about Jesus. And over the course of, of those five years, God knit together a church of people uh, to worship him. At the end of the five years, uh, there were hundreds of people worshiping Jesus. But as I think back about 
what, what, really made, what really made the church the church? And I've come to the conclusion it wasn't because I was such a good preacher. <laughs> I, I'm still not a great preacher. It wasn't because we had such great music. It wasn't because uh, we had a great building. We didn't have a building. It wasn't because we had money, because we didn't have any money. We all worked other jobs. We didn't have anything. <laughs> it wasn't because I was so experienced, because I'd never been a pastor before. <laughs> what was it that made the church? It's what we just read in Ephesians. It was humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, keeping the spirit through the bond of peace. It was speaking the truth in love. And over the course of those years, um, as God knit us together in relationship, in our love for God above all else, in our love for people, God did miracles. He did miracles in us and other people. And a church was born. <laughs> and there's a church this morning there worshiping Jesus in Spanish because of what God did in our hearts. And I think about what makes us a church here at Rimrock. It's not our music, our preaching, all our programs. It's people who've experienced God's grace and share that grace with other people. And God does something through that miraculous and beautiful. I'm going to invite uh, Kelly and uh, Mike and Stacy to come on up, and they're going to share, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray as they're coming up, and then uh, uh, we'll get to hear about what God is doing in Lebanon. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to be the kind of church that Jesus, you would say, is successful. Not what the world says is success, but what you say is success. That humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another love, unity, speaking the truth and love to one another, a passion for the things that you're passionate about.